Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Cast Dice. My name is Brad, slash Old Man Morin, and this is a podcast that explores the greater world of gaming that we currently reside in. I have said many, many times that we are in a bit of a, a gaming renaissance, and there are just too many good games out there to play. I mean, there's, there's not enough money, there's not enough time, there's just not enough anything to get it all in. Um, I have been on a little run of bolt action of late, and that will continue um, for a little while longer as I have an event coming up, and I will tell you more about that event at the end of this episode. Uh, before we do that, though, you can hear my guest in the background having a wee breathe, and I do say we because <laughs> he is Scottish, and if you listen to bolt action podcasts, you would know that laugh, too. Now... Tonight is a very special episode because we're going to get a little spicy and a little controversial. Uh, in order to do that, of course, I've got to introduce my guest. I would like to welcome from both War HQ, uh, the podcast and the YouTube show, and Call to Battle podcast, the one, the only, Paul. Welcome to Cast Dice. Aloha, Brad. Aloha, everybody. Uh, you flatter me, sir. Oh, mate, I, it's just nice to be able to, like, you know, have you talk back when I hear you talking, um, when I say something. <laughs> you might regret that by the end of the show. <laughs> and uh, you might regret coming on. So between the two of us, <laughs> we'll be set. Oh, right on. Um, all right. So now you might say, Brad, I've, I've listened to some of Paul's casts and I've listened to some of your casts. And there are people who have messaged me and said, Oh, there's a list that went to LVO, and ooh, let's talk about this. Well, Paul is that guy, so tonight <laughs> we're going to talk about it. And I don't mean that guy like the old movie quote, don't be that guy. Um, we're going to talk through some really interesting ideas about composition, about listing, um, uh, just about philosophy and gaming, um, and just talk through what it's like to play in different places. Um, Paul plays in Scotland. The list that he played that people have been talking about was at the Las Vegas Open in the United States. And of course, this show is based in Melbourne, Australia. So we're really going to get global tonight. Um, but before we go too far, um, I really should stop talking for a minute and said, now, Paul, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you how the weekend went. Um, now, you don't have to talk about your gameplay, but because uh, I, I don't know how you went. You may want to save that for your show. But uh, tell us a little bit about what you did this weekend, who you saw, and uh, maybe a couple highlights. What what'd you, what happened? Well, we went down to Birmingham in England to play at the Infamous Open. Infamous Club is a pretty new club, but uh, they were running. This is, would be their first bolt action event. Nice. It was Axis versus Allies throughout the whole day. Uh, it was a fantastic day. I uh, met many new and old friends. Uh, we met Kieran Byrne from the uh, Combined Ops podcast, mm -hmm. it used to be. We were Mr. Jamie Tranter, the infamous JT, and his new Kickstarter. We were talking about that and met up for a bit of a curry afterwards. So it was more of a social event, to be honest. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing at all. It was a fantastic weekend. I took Harrison, my co-presenter, on the war room with me. Uh, we did a couple of podcasts, um, did a couple of 
video casts and learned that we really need to take lights with us yeah. <laughs> if we want to get any useful footage. Uh, Game-wise, we had a great time. I lost 2-1-1, uh, so that guy failed miserably. <laughs> oh, that's uh, all right. <laughs> but it was all great fun. So that was basically the weekend. That's me just back from the weekend, and I get invited on your fabulous show, sir. There you go. Well, it is Monday morning your time, and of course Monday night Australia time. Uh, for those who are, you know, I'm wondering how the timey wimey bit works. So uh, after a long weekend away, Paul is back and is joining us, fresh from his travels. Uh, I do have to say thank you very much for joining us on. Uh, your first morning off, but uh, yeah, mate, I know that if it was me, there would I would there would be there would be a bucket of coffee between uh, the microphone and uh, me being lucid. Uh, your time of morning, so thank you very much for coming on. Yes, I do have I do have a little bit of caffeine with us, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me on, Brad. Yeah, I do no appreciate worries. it, pal. All right, let's 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 back it up a step. Now, I did say we were going to talk about philosophy. In order to do that. I think uh, Paul and I talked a little bit off air. So I think in order to put everything into context, I think maybe we should tell the audience, um, as Cast Dice have a, has a lot of new listeners, um, maybe a little bit about each one of us, um, and then we can commence the, a proper conversation. Um, my name is Old Man Morin, as I said. Um, I'm called Old Man not necessarily because I'm old. Um, I'm in my early 40s. But that doesn't um, necessarily equate old in a lot of people's handbooks. Um, I have, however, been wargaming my whole life. Um, I started gaming literally, I, I learned to read by reading Dungeons and Dragons books, Marvel superhero rule books, uh, Car Wars, Battletech. Um, that was my childhood, and I loved it. Um, and I spent all of my time reading books learning to play games, and playing. And when I wasn't doing that, I was reading uh, uh, quite a few Marvel comic books and Japanese comic books because I grew up in Japan. Um, growing up in Japan absolutely taught me a lot about painting and modeling as um, that was sort of a, a thing in the 80s that was really big there and is still now through Gundam and Gunpla and all of that. Um, so I have a big love of giant robots and you know, weird circa 1980s wrestling comics out of Japan. But that's a side point. Um, somewhere in that range, um, when I was living in Japan, right before I moved back to the United States, a kid, um, it was in an international school, and a kid brought a, a book into school and put it in front of me. And I opened it up, and I started flipping, and I got to a section of weapons. And now I was, as I said, no slouch to war games or gaming books in general, and I always flipped through the weapons. I thought, you know, cool stuff. Um, and I read a description about a gun that was maximum violence and noise. And, I, and it was like, and this is a weapon that is perfectly suited for orcs. And I went, this is amazing! What game is this? Closed the book cover. The book was called Rogue Trader. And I never looked back. Um, I've been a, a war gamer um, slash tabletop war gamer ever since. Um, I learned to paint my first miniatures about then. Um, and I bought my first box of Space Marine by the 30 and my first box of Rhinos in 3. And um, I, it, was, it was a magical childhood. But um, at some point, uh, I so I would play with friends, and we had a lot of a lot of good times. Um, but I moved away from a lot of my friends when I went to university, and I was just I went to school in New Orleans, and it was party central, and I loved it, and I had a band, and it was great. 
But I was still painting models, but there was nowhere to play. And then in White Dwarf magazine that I'd subscribed to, I read about the first U.S. Grand Tournament. Uh, and I, I jumped on it, both hands grabbed hold, and I never let go. Um, I became a regular at all the big Grand Tournament events across the U.S. Um, back when there was a circuit. And I was eventually hired out of it for Games Workshop Corporate. Um, I worked for their sales division for years, off and on, and I was an outrider outside of that. And in the interims, um, I played in every tournament I could, and I got out about two. I became a hyper-competitive wargamer. And then on top of that, when I moved to Australia eventually and left Games Workshop, um, Melbourne has one of the best Warhammer scenes, or at least it did, that I'd ever seen, and there were huge events happening on the regular. We would get events from 30 to 60 to 100-plus events um, many, many times a year. Usually you could play in a good competitive event maybe once to twice a month, and I played constantly to the point where I won some really prestigious events, um, the largest being the largest 40K tournament in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, I was the first person to ever win it twice of which I was extremely proud of at the time. Uh, And then I went to the Australian first-ever 40K Masters. And in that process, I discovered that I hated competitive wargaming. And at that level, it just stopped being fun for me. And it was about that time that I fell out of love with Games Workshop's, how should I say, codex creep. Um, I quit out of 40K, and I played fantasy for a number of years, Loved the, the the crew that I played with. And I never got good at it. And so I never felt the pressure of it. But I felt an awful pressure for 40K. Um, anyway, to make this all, bring it all home, I picked up Bolt Action along the way. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, it was everything I wanted in as an old 40K-ish types rules. Simple to pick up. Lots to pick up if you're going to master it. Um, lots of depth. A lot of fun. Great community. And so I got really competitive and yet really antsy about people taking what I considered hard lists. And I got a bit preachy about it, as you would get from several of the old podcasts that I've done. Um, I have recently been working on a master's and avoided a few things with the local bolt action scene and sort of took a two-year hiatus from playing in events um, after winning CanCon uh three years ago um using an underpowered british list um that no one said could win and so i am now coming back to competitive wargaming and i got a lot of opinions about it but i'm trying to be nice because along the way i definitely got preachy and hellfire and brimstone and not so nice and so tonight we're gonna talk and i'm not gonna be a dick um Paul, that's sort of my, in a nutshell, um, where do you come from? Well, I, I have a lot less history than you, Brad, so I doff my cap to you and all that stuff, sir. I started off when I was a kid. I'm about 55 now. I started off when I was a kid building Airfix kits. Nice. Uh, and <clears throat> did that up until I kind of left school. I went to a naval boarding school. And then really didn't see anything else with the hobby. I've walked past the Games Workshop shops a few times and sort of thought, oh, that's really cool. But it wasn't until I had kids later on 
and um, I took my youngest into Games Workshop. We had a Saturday morning where we had to be in Edinburgh here in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And so I would take him into the Games Workshop um, shop in the morning to put in the time. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got us into modelling and playing. And then we joined the local club here, Dwarf Club, the uh, Dunfermline War Gamers and Role Players. Mm-hmm. Something or other, Dwarf Fellowship. There we go. There you go. And got in with a really good crowd up there. That was only about oh six or seven years ago gosh is it only that time it seems like i've been in this for ages but i'm not i'm just a i'm a new kid on the block started off playing 40k Mm -hmm. um and started off doing modeling uh and painting which is sort of my first love Mm -hmm. i really enjoy the hobby side of the of the hobby if that made sense it does yeah uh about Four years ago, we got into Bolt Action. About a year after Bolt Action came to market, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. One of the mainstays of the local club here, Brian Forrester, switched from playing Warhammer, probably for many of the reasons uh, you probably dropped it. It was getting a bit creepy and mm-hmm. whatever. Decided to go to Bolt Action, so I jumped on the bandwagon with Bolt Action. Mm-hmm. Haven't kind of looked back. Um I, I'm not that smart a guy, and I can really only cope with one rule system at a time. And so, me and my boys, my older boy will deny he ever played war games, but um, Harrison, my younger mm-hmm. son, who does the show with me, uh, we play bolt action, we play bolt action together, so it's kind of a family bonding thing as well. Nice. Uh, and I found that bolt action lit all my candles simply because of the community and the fellowship of the player group. I find that Bolt Action is possibly the nicest, most laid-back, most helpful crowd of gamers, as a generalisation, admittedly, yes. that I've ever come across. You know, and I'm sure there's other, some other great games out there, but Bolt Action was the first one that I came across and just about all the guys that play it are solid, no matter how they play, you know? So, oh, absolutely. I agree with that completely. History. last couple of years, I've got into the um, doing podcasts. Uh, well, podcasts is just a recent thing for us, but doing films and videos on YouTube. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy that aspect as well. In fact, I'd like to kind of take it further and possibly covering events rather than necessarily taking part in them. But anyway, that's maybe for the future. We'll see. Right on. Well, I, yeah, I love, I mate as a podcaster, I look at you doing video stuff and it, <laughs> it, it is astonishing to me mainly because may, maybe because I have a radio background and not a video background. Uh, maybe because I have a face for radio, but I just go, wow, like that is, that's a whole lot of, I, that's that's a skill set that I don't currently possess, and I'm just blown away by it. So yeah, man, keep at it. Many would say it's a skill set I don't possess either, but <laughs> we do our thing and we enjoy doing it. That's right. Fake it till you make it. That's uh, that's the old expression, isn't it? You do it long so enough. Kind of... Yep. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say so. That's kind of my history, and I just enjoy competition. I just love playing the game. So. Like yourself, there's not enough hours in the day to play bolt action. That's right. Amen to that. 
Well, um, there is something, there is an elephant in the corner of the room that should quickly be discussed. Um, and I'm not talking about like controversy. You have a podcast. I have a podcast and we're both on a mic and we are not looking each other in the face. Now, as this conversation progresses, um, if you are listening and we're going to try our best not to over talk one another and say, what do you think? What do you think? Back and forth to make sure that, you know, it's sort of like the old walkie talkie ten four situation. But guys, remember, when you have a podcast, you do have a tendency to fill empty air. So both of us have that that skill. So um, we, we beg your uh, indulgence uh, for this conversation. And we're bu- <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily we're trying to jump on each other's words. I think it's just a natural inclination when these things happen. So let's move on. Now, Paul, you are a Scottish player. Now, I am. Yes, um, proudly so, as you should. Yeah. Now, for- uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you'll see me wearing the kilt at the competition. So the old boy with the white hair and the kilt, that's me. That's right. Now, I've, I've seen those pictures, which is why I said proudly so. Um, <laughs> now, a good friend of this show and one of my old good friends from the old 40K scene is uh, one of your mates, a, a, gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Alistair Unicom. Um, he was on on a yeah. recent episode. To, uh, we talked Blood Bowl and competitive wargaming. Now, Ali and I have been talking of for years about the difference between Australia and Scotland and Australia and the rest of the world or Scotland and the rest of the world. Can you give us a little synopsis of how you see the meta quote unquote in Scotland? Um, How do you sort of see it as far as maybe power creep or everything else? Because it's important to remember context. What is okay where you play may not be okay where I play and what I play may not be okay where you play. So let's 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 talk about that. Um, what is Scotland like? You you make a great point um, with meta etc. Here in Scotland, we seem to have the reputation, probably rightly, that if it's in the book, it's legal, and it's as simple as that. Um, we tend to use the terms cheesy etc. up here as a bit of good natured banter. As mm-hmm. far as personally, as far as I'm concerned. If you can list it, it's legal, it's not cheesy, those are the rules, play it. And most of our competitions, certainly in Scotland, are like that. It's a bring what you want. And I don't think we, I can't remember us ever putting limitations on anybody's army. There you go. So pretty much the hard end, I guess. Yeah, but that's, I mean, but everyone's on the same page. It is the meta. It is the way it is there. They are. If you go to a competition, you expect to see something hard. It doesn't necessarily mean to say that you have to take something hard, and quite a lot of the guys out there don't. But they know that when they go to a competition, they might see, shall we say, inverted commas, the elephant in the room, four heavy howitzers. They might see an armored platoon. Yeah. They might see six snipers. They might see 10 flamethrowers. You know, anything goes. There you go. Well, okay, I have a question about that, and I'm not... Oh, dear. Again, I'm, yeah, well, there we go. I'm not having a go. I'm, I'm asking. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I should probably lay it back, uh, say my context, and then we can go from there. So Australia is known um, very strongly... Australia, at least the side of Australia that I play on, the eastern side... 
um, typically around the, the 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 big cities of Sydney, Melbourne, um, and to a degree Canberra. I mean, Canberra is where a lot of the big events happen, but sort of in that zone of population there are quite a few events and almost all the australian podcasts um almost um all of the stuff that pops up regularly through the bolt action alliance for example and a lot of the stuff on the australian new zealand page happens sort of in those three cities um and a lot of what happened in those three cities um as far as meta and just a general understanding about how things went um sort of was driven through uh, Australia's largest bolt action tournament, CanCon, and what was sort of became the norm there. Um, originally, it was run by a gentleman named Q-Man um, Blair, who uh, walked away from bolt action at one point and was replaced, thankfully, um, not thankfully to have Q leave, thankfully because he was a great replacement, um, our good friend Peter West, who's been on this show many, many times. Um, now, that that event has always had a really heavy theme element to it and it has a very strong knockback policy as in if something's deemed really hard it gets kicked back it gets you get hit with a resub and you're asked to resubmit your list as in you're not allowed to take something that would ruin somebody's day that said at cancon a couple years ago i played a romanian list that had uh i believe it was a heavy howitzer and or maybe two heavy howitzers and a medium howitzer and two massive units of cavalry uh, and a bunch of infantry um, that were maxed out with everything that you could put on it. Um, and that was probably one of the worst games of bolt action I've ever played. Not because I didn't like the player. I know him quite well. He's a, he's a great guy. I've enjoyed playing him in the past. I hated that army. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that again in a minute. But um, that was sort of an anomaly um, and we haven't really seen that list or anything like it really since. Um, we tend to get really fluffy, what what is often seen in other parts of the world as softer lists. Um, and occasionally we get rule changes um, like the one that is the other elephant in the room that everyone keeps talking about, <laughs> um, which is this year at CanCon, they said that if you were going to get a Panzer IV, uh, in order to get Tiger Fear, you had to take it as veteran. Um, that was the only rule change that was happened there. And people seem to be talking about it because um, rumor is it may be adopted for Adepticon, which is the big U.S. event. So we tend to be on the way other end of the extreme. Um, but not that common ground isn't found. As you say, people in Scotland, there are lots of people who like to play, you know, any list that they like, whether it's, you know, quote-unquote competitive or not and likewise we have people in australia that clearly do as well that like to play at the harder edge so i think we need to remember that context paul do you have anything you want to add yeah i was going to say there was a couple of things from what you just said there if i can remember them. oh yeah sorry I... first of all you said about a list ruining your day i would sort of put forward the hypothesis that to be honest anything can ruin your day on the day depending on the scenario and to a lesser extent, the dice. That's I have true. seen a free British Observer in a completely fluffy, inverted commas, list ruin somebody's day on turn one. <laughs> Amen. You know, so that's kind of part of my own personal, where I come from personally, is anything can ruin anything on any day, given the scenario, given the dice. Mm. 
you know, um, and that can be, it doesn't matter what you, what you bring to the table. Um, you were also saying there about the tiger fear, which I'm totally on board with you guys, and I'm kind of disappointed in a way that they didn't say we're taking tiger fear off Panzer Force. I see the historical reason for doing it. Yeah. But this isn't a simulation. This is a game, guys. Yeah. And I completely agree with yourself and Patch. I think maybe was it the last podcast where you were saying instead of opening it up so you can bring all the big cats, and by that we mean the German tanks, mm -hmm. um, it's limited it to not totally, but as a generalization, people bring the Panzer Four. Yeah. And There's... it's actually limited the choice even more than it was before, you know, so it's kind of been a retrograde step, which it... they could have fixed in this errata. Ah, uh, yes, we uh, we did talk about that. Now, I as as you said, um, as we talked about on a previous episode, I love Tiger Fear. I think it's a great rule. I know a lot of people don't agree with me. I just don't necessarily think it belongs on the Panzer IV for what it's cost. It's too efficient. And it, as you say, as you just said, it's led to a proliferation of Panzer IVs. You just don't see that many Stugs anymore because for 10 points more, you get a Panzer, which A, gets the turret, and B, gets Tiger Fear. Yeah. And to be honest, coming from my point of view, you can't blame guys for doing that because oh, no. it's one of those things you look at it and go, well, I can't not take it, and it doesn't matter how a fluffy a player you are. It's like the Stuarts. You can't really not take them if they're available for you because they're too good. Yeah. You know, so. Ah. Now, I hear you. I, uh, I took a, so, so I know that lots of people talk about the Stuart and how they're cheesy and awful and all of this. Um, I, took a, I took a Stuart to uh, the Bolt Action Grand Tournament when it existed in Australia. I flew to Sydney. I had one tank. It was a Stuart. It had three machine guns. I was that guy. Um, I would say the rest of my list wasn't necessarily that guy, but I did have that tank. Um, I could have had anything else, yeah, I, but I didn't. Nothing wrong with that tank. Play it myself. My favorite tank, but it seriously needs an upgrade in points. But anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So there we go. Now, my question is, and going back to my question from a while ago, um, is so given the, um, the more... Uh, how should I say if if it's there you can play it attitude that may yeah. exist in Scotland like and I don't want to say anything goes um, but maybe um, how do you think that has impacted um, people historically listing because I know one of the things that we do uh, often is talk about well you know my grandfather was in this unit or I've been doing this research and like I happen to be really into the auto Sahariana at the moment and so I built a list completely around that do you kind of feel like the anything goes attitude sort of takes away from that. Um, go ahead. I think it depends on the kind of player you are, to be honest, Brad. I historically in my gaming have played historical lists. And I, so I play Commando 4 7 mm -hmm. and I play them on a particular day in history. And I only play with what they had available on that one day in history. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I kind of limit myself quite a lot with that list. And I love playing it. And unfortunately, Commando's got a bit of a nerf with Tough Fighter, which I think was a good rule that needed mm. nerfed, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and made my Commandos a lot less competitive. And I didn't particularly mind that. 
But I think this year I kind of turned around and said, well, I'd like to win a game or two as well, <laughs> you know? I do hear you. So I've, I've definitely started, and I think people got a bit fed up with me bringing the same list to every tournament because I play a lot of tournaments. Most of my play is actually down in England because the main thrust of competition is down on what we call the lead belt, so the Midlands of mm-hmm. England between Nottingham and Birmingham. Yep, makes so sense. I travel down there probably twice a month to play. Oh, wow. And um, so this year, I haven't thought about it. I'm probably playing, on average, two tournaments a month, I would guess, oh, which man. is an awful lot of games. So I'm playing, I'm starting to play different things, and I've kind of come to, well, I think I might be a good player, but I want to see if I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, I probably am not. So I really like the competitive aspect. But to me, I can... Oh, it's difficult to explain because I sound as though I'm kind of contradicting myself. I like to do as well as I can against somebody and give them a real good go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a real tough game. And sometimes I feel playing a historical list, I am underperforming. Mm. Now, in competitions, to get back to the question you actually asked, sorry, I'm a bit of a butterfly, Brad. No, that's all right. I um, am too. I'm enjoying the conversation. Go where it takes you. <laughs> the, I, you still see about 50-50 historical lists played in the UK. And by historical, I mean as well, you know, that kind of list where somebody goes, oh, I really just like the look of that. So they play a list because they enjoy playing that tank or that unit or whatever. Uh, we see it about 50-50. I would say that it's about 50-50 sort of fluffy lists against hard lists mm-hmm. win competitions. Okay. Um, you asked if it affected people. I don't think it does, but there seems to be this last, probably this last 10 months or so, it seems to be coming up more on the Facebook um, group sites mm-hmm. and in general com- conversation that people are feeling a little disappointed that they seem to be seeing less fluffy, fluffy lists at competitions. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's actually true. I think that's, um, I think there's more fluffy lists at competitions than there are hard lists. Okay, but do you yep. think that that number's decreasing, or do you think it's... I think it's about steady, I would okay. say. All right, cool. You know, um, what what you tend to do is the attention gets taken by those hard lists. And oh, I yeah. Because it's happened to me. People come along and say, oh, my God, you're not taking that, are you? And you go, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. And they'll say, oh, well, you know, you're that guy, and you're cheesy. And then you come... 25th out of 26 and they'll still come up to you and say well serves you right for taking that list and i'm like well it wasn't that good a list no but you know? yeah well okay um, let's what let's, you don't d- want to do- let's dig into that if that's all right yeah. um yeah of course all right so i i mentioned that game where i played against all the howitzers and the cavalry in the world and this was in version one so <laughs> he sucked um yeah <laughs> so uh plus cavalry oh double suck um and i was i was playing um japanese and it was on what what was generally a bocage table um which you would think would give you lots of cover 
Unfortunately, there was a great big hill on one side, and my opponent won the die to determine which side he set up on, and so he set his artillery battery up on that hill and hid his cavalry behind a wall, and I had to get across to some objectives, and it just sucked. Um, That said, uh, I made the conscious effort that my opponent would not win that game. Um, I went, there is literally almost no way I can win this game. Uh, But you know what? He's not winning either. Um, Clearly, uh, he wants to win with a list like this, and I'm going to stop him cold. And I did. Um, I played for the draw, and I pulled it, I think, when the second to last dice. Um, But I walked away from that game with a horrible taste in my mouth. Um, And I've, I've had a few games since that have had an equal... Um, I had a game where I actually <clears throat> quit bolt action for a while, uh, embarrassingly. Um, and it just was the straw that, bro- the, that broke the camel's back. And it, it wasn't that my opponent was intentionally trying to ruin my day. Quite the opposite. Um, he was trying something new, uh, and it, 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 it messed me up. Um, uh, and I had an awful game and it was just like, you know what? I'm done with this. Um, and I know I'm not alone. I know, um, for example, at Patch was on, and I'm going to quote him um, because he was on, and he said, if he played against a list like the one you took to LVO, um, which, again, was one game out of the entire event because it was a de-escalation event, and at yeah. 1,250 points, you had four heavy howitzers and four snipers, um, yeah. he, he said he would shake your hand and he wouldn't play you. Um, he would say, you win, I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to go get a beer. And that's... I, I understand that mentality. I would not enjoy playing that against that list either. Now, I understand in second edition, howitzers are not nearly as good uh, as they used to be, and I know the stigma is still there about big HE, uh, but I also know that, man, four snipers will ruin my day. Um, I, I don't know. Um, have uh, Do you... Uh, I, I don't want to... Uh, are you afraid that a list like that will maybe inspire others to try similar things. Um, being a podcaster yourself, I guess, what do you think? Uh, good question and good point. I would say <coughs> I recorded that game. So go and have a look at it on YouTube. There you go. Because <laughs> them four houses didn't do very much guys. It was the snipers that did the trick. So uh, mm. the guy that I played, he was actually very, very smart. And he popped smoke out of a rocket launcher, yeah. which I'd never thought of before. Boy, smoke out of a rocket launcher. Go check that out, by the way. Oh, yeah. Big old um, template. So he pretty much negated the um, the four heavy houses. I think they might have hit one thing in the entire game. Mm. Or that might be just me trying to make myself sound better. Go and watch <laughs> the game on yeah. YouTube. Um, and you'll see it wasn't an actual fact. The, the four houses weren't all that brilliant. Um, because we were running de-escalation. And one of the things, actually, one of my things is that really, guys, I think tournament organizers shouldn't let us know what the scenarios are beforehand. Mm. Uh, With that, with the LVO, they let us know the scenarios beforehand, Mm -hmm. and you were choosing a different list for every scenario. So I obviously built a list for each scenario, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, So... I played generic lists for all the other three games. Uh, I hope it doesn't put anybody off, which was your question. Yeah. I would be mortified if I thought it did. 
and I'm now coming to the realization I didn't realize people were talking about that list until I spoke yeah. to you. I'm like, oh my god, they really think it's that important. Um, so maybe it is. Um, as I say, I'm kind of mortified to think that it would put anybody off. I the most important thing to me is that first of all, the other guy has a great time, there you and go. secondly, that I have a great time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I hope the guy I was playing, forgive me, I can't remember your name, but I really enjoyed that game, and it kind of um, ebbed and flowed, that game, and I thought it was a good game, but, you know, eh, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I think uh, part of the reason I thought it was a good game is because I took two two units off pretty quick with my snipers, so, you know, <laughs> I, I have skewed vision of that, but I'm hoping it didn't ruin his day, certainly. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess you've actually said a bunch of things now I want to talk about. Um, one of the things oh, was... Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, I was really enjoying that. Um, you said something um, that I actually, on, a, on one of your recent podcasts that I actually thought a lot about, and it's something that I've done in the past and haven't done recently, and I've re, I'm redoing for my event that's coming up in March. I'm actually, just as you said, I'm not saying what my missions are. Um, and for people who know... I, I, I wrote most of the missions in the BAA uh, mission pack. I do like to write a mission. Um, all I'm saying is, of the three missions at my event, two of them are objective-based, and one of them is a kill point mission, where, where you're trying to get ahead and uh, um, order dice. So the people can list according to that. But what you see on the day, I'm not letting that out of the bag until I hand yeah. it out at the round. I personally think, having played, I play quite a lot of tournaments. I think all, it, you know, it should either be one of these where we've got 12 tables and there's 12 missions from the book. Mm -hmm. You know, love or hate the ones in the book, you know, that's a different discussion. Yes. Or don't tell anybody what they are on the day because I think that makes, I, I was going to say, much better listing. In yeah. a way, it is better listing. It makes listing a much more even board because Agreed. some guys can only take what they have in their collection. Agreed. And other guys have a much bigger collection. Yes, so we they do. Can, you know, much better design their army for those. You know what I'm trying to say, Brad? Oh, absolutely. So I think it levels the playing field because really in competition, I think what you're looking for is to find out who's the best general, not the best lister. Exactly. Well, that's does an that old. Make sense? That does. I think that it does. <laughs> well, that was the old thing with um, the big 40k events in the olden days. Was um, we wouldn't ever say what the missions were. You would just know what the breakdown was. So you knew that you had to have an army that could reach out and grab objectives. But by the same token, you also knew that if you had too many small units, if you were playing too much MEQ uh, or what is it? Yeah, multiple whatever. Um, you would really be disadvantaged if you had a list that had just spammed small units because uh, all of a sudden you would get smashed in that other game. And it wasn't so much that people who played certain types of armies and were there for, you know, a good time and were fairly competitive, it, it, it wouldn't necessarily change their list, especially as if, as if what you were saying, um, that was their collection. But for the people who really metagamed it and really wanted to get into what people are taking and how to be most effective and all of that, um, they really had to think about their listing. And they had to think, okay, I need to be able to reach out and get those objectives, but I also need to not give up the points. Do In bolt action terms, do I take trucks? 
because trucks are easy to kill, but they can get you across to those objectives. And so there's the advantage disadvantage when all of a sudden you start mixing up the the missions. And sometimes you have a kill based mission that requires you to move across the board. So you're not just plinking at each other from across the board. So I, I think I agree with you. I think you get a better quality of listing. Um, there are people sort of have to cater for all the possibilities if you don't tell them what they have to cater for. And it makes for, I think, a more interesting event. Um, it also means that you need to factor in a little bit more time on the missions to read the missions. But am I, do you, am I explaining what you were saying all right? Yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you there. Um, oh, gosh. it's. I think listing is a big part of the game we play. Um, and it's you know part of the skill. But when I went to, for example, when I went to LVO, that first scenario was a scenario where there we deployed on the board so I could take heavy howitzers and I didn't have to worry about tools or trans or um, tools for the heavy howitzers, mm-hmm. um, which weren't eating into the dice because there was a dice cap. And I knew he had to come to me if I had heavy howitzers. So it kind of, it took a lot of the skill out of that particular scenario because they told us what it was. That makes sense. And it sounds like you built a force that um, gamed the system to maximum advantage in game one. Well, that's right. And to be honest, I'm traveling the best part of 6,000 miles to get there. I've got no idea what the local meta is. Yeah. And for all I know, I'm expecting guys to bring what they'll bring against me in Scotland. Exactly. Now, did yeah. you did you find that at LVO? Because I've heard it, that LVO is exact... a, a little bit harder than the average tournament in the U.S., but I don't know if that's really? true. I've only heard that. I would have said it was pretty much the same as here. It was about 50-50. There were some really nice armies that had been themed for one reason or another. You mm-hmm. know, um, A couple of guys, their dads had been in those particular units or whatever. Uh, a couple of... Um, really nicely painted armies that the guy just loved a particular model. Oh yeah. You know, and then there was three or four guys that were pretty serious possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly played one of those guys. It was a very intense game. Again, it's on YouTube. Um, I think it was the 750 point game ended up taking us about two and a half hours. For oh, 750 wow. points. Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But they were good enough to actually let us play it out till the sixth turn. And that chat would have probably won in the seventh, but we just didn't have enough time to play a seventh. Oh. So go and check it out. I don't, I don't think I was time-wasting, but go and check in case I was and call me a cheat. No, no, no. Because <laughs> I think 40K got called up for cheat uh, for time-wasting, didn't they? Oh, uh, that's, LVO, a, but, that's a different story. That's another yeah. story. Um, and that, yeah, we talked about that on a previous episode. Now, actually really quick, um, if people want to find your YouTube clips, I know I've been listening to your podcast, but I'm going to be honest. I, I, I cringe saying this. I haven't looked at your YouTube stuff yet because I'm not really a YouTube guy. Um, although I really should have, um, is, is, are you under war HQ? Um, yeah, it's under war HQ. The, we do a show called the war room, which is on war HQ. There you go. Okay. And, I only just recently learned about tagging videos, so that's probably why you can't find a lot of my stuff, to be honest. Oh, that's all right. I mean, just go to YouTube <laughs> and tag War HQ The War Room, and you will find these videos. So there you go. 
Um, all right. So now let's let's backstep another step to the the other thing we were talking about a minute ago. And I'm glad you said it because I was going to ask, and it was the it was the it was probably the most cringy question I was going to drop today. Um, the uh, did like playing a list like four heavy howitzers and four snipers. Um, I. I mean, you said you you want your opponent to have a good time, but you want to have a good time yeah. yourself. And I feel exactly yeah. the same way. Um, now, it it could be my upbringing in Japan that makes me, you know, ultra. I'm not going to discomfort other people and take maximum discomfort on myself kind of situation. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, yes, taking a competitive list and playing a good game does give your opponent a good game. But I I don't know. I, you, you mentioned it before. So do you want to talk more about that? Because I, I kind of feel like that's a big one. Yeah, the, well, there's a, something that springs to mind is one of the things, if you take a very competitive list and assuming you're rolling the dice reasonably well, mm-hmm. uh, you can obviously tailor the game to an extent, to your opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, fair enough, if your opponent's cuffing your backside, shall we say, um, beating you solidly, you're going to play as hard as you can. But if you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're up against somebody that's not played before, I'm not saying I'm a great player, but I've got a fair amount of experience. Yeah, I've you seen would've. a lot of the tricks. You can sometimes make the game a lot more pleasurable for the opponent. Yeah. And at the same time, I get a certain amount of pleasure out of doing that, if that made sense. It does. Um, I'm not saying I'll let him win. But, yeah. you know, and quite often I find this in bolt action. I'm not trying to big myself up. If you see guys who are winning by a lot, they'll start giving advice to the other guy, you know, and say, you know, do you mind if I sort of point out a couple of things as yeah. we're playing along? And, you know, and most of the time people are quite appreciative, you know, if they're on for a loss if you give them those bits of advice yeah i know absolutely i've definitely been in that situation um on both you sides know, and that's one of the things yeah that's one of the things i love about bolt action is people will do that definitely you know it's a very kind of i find it a very community sort of based game if that makes sense too it does um okay so I guess where I was going, I'm not sure how to say it. I don't want to sound preachy or negative. Just I stopped. Okay. So I, I, I was playing. One of the reasons when I left, I probably would have quit playing 40K years earlier had I not moved to Australia. Um, I was living in the United States, and I know I'm going to have piss off some listeners by saying this. Um, I was sort of what I, I, I played 40K up until just about what I considered to be its death in the U.S. Um, composition died. All conversation around that. Um, there was a vocal group of gamers. Um, I can point, I can name the dude who was the ringleader of it on Daka Daka, one of the big forums. Um, and he was a big tournament player. And as that moment, as that sort of force gained momentum, um, my ability to get a, a good game, at a fun game at events, really went out the window. Um, and I'm petrified that that's going to happen with bolt action. Um, and so I get, I get nervous when I see lists that do what 
maybe yours did. Now, I know that it didn't necessarily, like the four howitzers didn't make it, you know, make it awful for your opponent, but it could have, um, I guess is my point. I, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't want to step on, if I'm a new player and I run into that in an event, yes, you can help them through it, but you're also sort of teaching them that, Man, you got to bring a big gun to this gunfighter. You're going to be outgunned. Am I making sense? Yes, okay. you are. Absolute sense. I mean, there's two sides to that. As well, if you go to a gunfight, why wouldn't you bring a gun? True. You know, I mean, yeah, no, you're that right. sounds harsh. I don't mean it to sound as harsh as it did. You no, know, that makes perfect the sense. Hand, there's a lots of guys. There's a lot of guys who don't bring a gun to a gunfight. You know, and they're quite happy. Um, and quite often those knives will beat the guns. Yeah. You know, so it's not just as hard. I understand what you're saying. And I think, oh, how do I put this? Because I think TOs in general, not all TOs, but I think TOs as a big group need to take a bit more responsibility mm. for the type of event they want to run. I'd agree. Uh, that sounds really harsh, and I don't mean it to. So I think you've got to say, let's have secret missions mm -hmm. as a number one rule. And I think, I think we've got to come up with a kind of format for certain competitions. So I think, you know, GTs and things are basically going to be, uh, you know, uh, you can take anything you like mm -hmm. but we're going to have a national or an international set of guidelines for those type of competitions yep and i think um i'm pretty sure warlord are working on something whether it will be acceptable or practical for the tos out there is a different matter agreed um, and i think there's another set of competitions you know where you've got clubs um, I don't know what the scene is, but over here, most of our games are played in clubs rather than stores. So competitions that clubs or, st or stores are doing where they're maybe attracting 20, maybe, you know, anywhere between 10 to 20 players. Mm -hmm. They've got to really sort of think about leveling the field because those are the competitions where most of the new guys are going to go. Agreed. You know, and so you want to try and keep things as level as possible so they don't turn up and they get tabled in the second turn you know yeah what you were saying about i hope i'm not putting anybody off there are situations i've been in where it didn't matter how nice i was being <laughs> the guy was going to be destroyed yeah no that those you know and there's nothing action i happens. can do about it i can't yeah. stop the juggernaut you know no i believe me i hear you um <laughs> and i've had games where i've made you know where i don't play rules or <laughs> Yeah. You know, because I know my thing is going to kill him. <laughs> or, you know, I, I have once thrown a game because it was a new guy and I really wanted them to get into it. Yeah. And I would never dare mention their name, whether it was a he or a she or anything else. Mm -hmm. But that was well worth it. And actually, that one game made my entire GT. <laughs> there you go. You know? Oh, yeah, man. So, I, I get but it. But that's because there's a community here. And. You get new guys coming to the big competitions. I think at the Warlord GT, I think I maybe did a video about a guy that turned up. It was his first competition, and he had an absolute blast. Now, I know that he played one of the stronger players 
um, um, who was, let's see, I'm trying to keep the names, withholding the names. Mm. Uh, the, oh, let's just say he played a player who had a really strong army. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure knowing the player he played, uh, he was allowed to table that player. Yeah. You know, and that guy, you know, he's a competitive guy and he's really, really good. Um, so there are people like that who that army, that new guy was playing was, oh, I can't say it without him knowing who it is. Let's put it this way. It was a very, very overpowered list he played him with and he allowed that guy to table him. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's because of the community Bolt Action has. There you go. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying about um, there being different sort of levels and different types of events. Um, I guess yeah. I, I know that the UK does that from listening to a lot of the Down Order podcast over the years um, and listening to other yeah, podcasts. Yeah, where's Sam? Come back, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think fatherhood's uh, keeping him a little busy at the moment. That's yeah, it. He seems to be posting a lot. I think he put out one. But anyway, sorry. Butterfly yeah, yeah, yeah that's all right. Um, we, we don't tend to... I, mean, I guess we do have a Bolt Action GT coming up. But even though it's called a GT, it's not a GT. Um, even our GTs for 40K... In Melbourne back in the day, um, they 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 weren't win at all costs. It wasn't um, white line fever uh, generally, um, and it was it it was a good time, and people were conscious about where we were. I just wonder if, I mean, Warhammer and uh, other game systems had composition systems, and that led to there being. Um, you know, people would give your army a scale and it would be either the the judges would give you a comp score and you'd, you know, whether you agreed with it or not, you had to suck it up and take it. Or um, your opponents would give you a comp score after your game, which if you stomp them or if they stomped you would throw you and skew numbers. Um, and so it was it was never quite a fair system because people would with composition systems um, and I'm as I'm probably more guilty than most people, I would game that system to the maximum to take the hardest possible list I could that would give me the best composition score. So I wouldn't be taking a brutally hard list necessarily um, if taken, like if you look at it objectively, but I would try and balance max points with max effectiveness and find that middle ground. And that kept players like me back then... um, in line quote unquote um and kept like the line or the the cats out the hen house if that makes sense yeah i i kind of wonder if we're getting to that point with bolt action because when bolt action started people universally said we do not want composition scores we don't want it and um so we we removed we removed it from local events but we're getting to the point now where there's all kinds of gamers coming to Bolt Action now. For better or for worse, our community has grown by leaps and bounds. And there's all kinds of different people who have different ideas about what's fair, what's fun, um, what's a good time. And so, I don't know, finding that balancing act, I guess. Um, what do you think? I I hear what you're saying about composition um, scoring or whatever. I kind of think we do need to do something. I think the work that patch the works the wrong word but the 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 movement the whatever you like to call it the mm. patch 
brought in for CanCon. Yep, and fantastic. Andrew Brownrigg. Yep, those two um, guys. Yep. I think we are going to try and start to do something like that. So it's kind of self-policing. Yes. Um, there are a couple of things we could do as a community ourselves. You know, for instance, we could say, you know, GTs and that, it's just a general rule. You don't know what the scenarios are going to be. Mm. Either that or they're all out the book and it's randomly picked. We could also say we will dock a number of points if you bring a multiple of any unit. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, yes, bring your four snipers, Paul, but realize you're going to lose, you know, 10 tournament points by yep. doing it or something of that ilk. It's just yeah. an example because I just thought of that this minute. Um, or we could also say that for certain points, you're only allowed a certain number of platoons per you know, 750 points, for example. Yep. You know, so you're not going to mm -hmm. see people bring in two platoons to be able to multiply <laughs> units yeah. at 750, for example. It's true. Um, one, you know, and yeah, go ahead. we can also say, you could also possibly put forward that for certain events, they're going to be generic lists only. Mm-hmm. Which, again, helps to reduce the multiplication of units. Or spamming, you know, what people yeah. call spamming. Well, multiple, taking units in depth um, really is what some people find problematic. And um, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was the fact that I brought four howitzers. And that was two platoons, you know, right? Uh, there was four of them. It was the fact that there was four snipers. And we see with, sorry to interrupt you there. Please, Brad, go sorry, ahead. Mate. With the new lists that are coming out in the new books, they're having to think of more things to make new selectors. And a lot of those selectors are based around multiple units. Yeah. So you take Market Garden, snipers are the multiple unit. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a few lists in Market Garden where you can take three snipers in a list. Yeah. And a sniper on its own isn't going to ruin your day. But three snipers can, can possibly ruin your day. Yeah. You know, and that's a single selector. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I agree with you. I uh, to uh, like I really like what some of the new books have been doing, um, in that they've oh, been. Oh, I do. I love the. I do love the new books. Don't get oh, me yeah. wrong. Oh yeah, ditto. But yeah. you're gonna see, you're gonna see a lot of people playing airborne in competition now, yeah. simply yeah. because they're they're playable, which is good. But you know, are they have they become too playable? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, I I was thinking of like the uh, the Battle of the Bulge book where we saw new unit types that changed the rules of the game, um, like the intelligence officers and the chaplain, um, but didn't necessarily um, give you a ton of multiplicity in selectors and didn't yeah. um, necessarily overpower anything. They just gave you interesting new ways to play the game. Yeah. Um, you see, I would like to see them do something with HQ units as well. Mm. I mean, I know they gave them snap to it, but to be honest, everybody apart from the Germans, as a big generalization, still takes a second lieutenant and keeps them as cheap as possible. Unless you're Patch, but you yeah. Know, so, you know, so if you could add units to your HQ unit, yeah. You know, if you could add the chaplain to your HQ unit for maybe slightly less points and make the HQ unit a more versatile and a more usable unit, I think that might be a plus. But again, sorry, I've diverted the conversation. Oh, no, that's that's good. Um, now, just to go back to something you were saying a second ago about um, multiplicity of units, 
Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. There are some units that when it may have to be a self-policing thing by tournament organizers um, or players themselves, um, maybe as you were saying, that good-natured ribbing where you look at someone and say, "Look, mate, you're out of line for that." Have those difficult conversations in a fun way, um, just so yeah. people don't feel like they're being attacked. But I mean, it, so I'm looking at my auto-Sahariana army in the case right in front of me right now, and I have five. Sahariana armored cars. That's soft yeah. skin. That's a soft skin vehicle with a machine gun on it. Um, I don't think anyone would say that thing's overpowered, especially in, using the Italian um, Avante Savoy national rules, where you you lose <laughs> well, units and you lose Australia HQ. And you beat me, Brad. Hey, uh, <laughs> we'll see how we go. No, I- I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But we need to look at it more intensely. But, yeah. No, agreed. You know, in general, most of these heavy hitting lists are heavy hitting because they've multiplied on something. Yeah. Well, people, I was talking with Al, and he was saying that quite a few people were um, expecting there to be at some of the big, uh, some of the big events that you guys are going to. They're expecting to see, you know, three, four, five Stuarts. Um, simply yeah. because they are so point efficient with all those machine guns, and yeah. machine we've, guns are great. We've already seen that in the UK. Yeah, we have. We At haven't Cambridge seen that yet. Yeah. Cambridge too far. You're going to see five Stuarts. In fact, technically, you're going to see more than five. You can see six or seven Stuarts. Mm. Um, and you know, we know we're going to see them. Yeah. So you start coming up. I'm going to play early war Japanese. I'm playing a 37 Japanese list, and I am struggling. Because I've signed up, um, I think you know Gaz Walsh over here. Oh, yeah. Has kind of challenged everybody at um, Cambridge to take early war armies. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking a 37 list, and I'm struggling with... <laughs> I've said, right, I'm going to limit myself to one platoon, because in that list you can take two artillery and two mm-hmm. and three snipers? Two snipers. I think it's two, yeah. And I'm struggling with the, I'm going to go dual platoon and take four artillery and four snipers. Mate, I so challenge you. to limit myself. <laughs> Mate, stick with one. Do yourself a favor. Get get some of those fun early war tanks in there, man. My favorite, I, I as you know, my favorite um, early war army is 1937 Battle for Shanghai uh, Japanese myself. Uh, and that's my army. And the Type 89, the slow-ass special rule Chiha variant, um, it's ugly, it's slow, it's not the most effective thing in the world, but goddamn is it yeah. fun to put on the table. Like, you put stuff like <laughs> that down. To, but I'm looking at it and thinking, two armored cars, now you can take a pretty cheap um, LMG, MMG, recce vehicle, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, well, two of those are almost like a Stuart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And... I'm kind of struggling with those at the moment, so I'll be taking one platoon. But you've, that's what I'm saying, as I'm starting to get what I would call eh, slightly cheesy with taking an early war. You know, so there's no hardware. If somebody said, you can't take multiple units, Paul, I'm like, okay, hands up. <laughs> well, that's when you, uh, that's, uh, that's when you look for the synergy, I guess. I, one of the big things yeah. that I've always said is, um, rather than going duplicates, multiples, or making the hardest list possible, I guess what I do is I try and find that synergy. Um, I mean, I can't talk. I won CanCon with, um, I think, well, a British list at 1,000 points with three Indian carriers. 
um, which are the wheeled universal carriers. That was yeah. my list. Um, but back then it was version one rules without the season rules. And so you had to have a unit in him to run them with, to have them fire guns. Um, yeah. so I didn't feel bad about it. Um, they're much better yeah. now in second edition. <laughs> I think I'm not about to make people feel bad about their choices either. I mean, I will play with whatever I've got. I will play anybody on any day, any scenario, and I'll be happy to do it just because I love playing the game. And I don't really, personally, I don't really mind if I get tabled as long as I've put up a good show. Yeah. I, I think, you know? yeah, I um, do. I, I. But it would be yeah. nice if everybody kind of had a more level playing field to choose from. And so we're getting down to the who is the better player rather than who is the better. I know list building is part of the playing, but sometimes I think what you're getting at is that it's, it's sometimes down to who is the best list builder. Yeah. Well, the last time I literally spent more than five minutes writing an army list and actually played it was when I won CanCon. Um, after that, I literally stopped and I've played tons of lists, but it literally comes down to I'm pulling out my case I'm going to make some units, and here's some points. I'm going to make some units. I've actually stopped listing as um, a pastime, and I don't really think about it anymore. Um, I just more concentrate on making the most of what I have on the tabletop. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, uh, albeit I haven't been playing, quote-unquote, competitively while I've been doing that, but I feel like that challenge has really upped my game um, profoundly you know, uh, my gamesmanship as in knowing what I'm doing and being able to reassess the situation and plan accordingly. Uh, I'm not depending on my list, if that makes sense. Um, and I'm not saying it's the right or the wrong or I'm better or worse. Um, I just really enjoyed the challenge of that. Um, if that doesn't make me sound like a, a smug so-and-so in saying it out loud, I'm like, Oh, that sounds terrible. But I really enjoyed that challenge. And I think it's, it's, it's been fun. Um, yeah. No, I'm totally with you there. You're you're sounding much like a venerable old sensei. Yeah, I'm sounding like the old man is what I'm sounding like. <laughs> Miyagi. Well, yeah. um, um, now, something that you guys did at CanCon, which you've covered before in your show, mm -hmm. was the sort of self-regulation to the degree that you're trying to get guys together with the... Um, Team Monty and Team Rommel. Yes. Well, I'd certainly like to find out more about that and see if we could do something similar in some of the competitions over here in the UK, possibly even America. I'm away off to Adepticon um, in a month's time. And so it'd be jealous. nice to sort of connect with the guys over there and see if we can't get some sort of a of a of a movement or something together with those guys. I'm going to be in the States. I'm going to be three days off of Adepticon this year. So I oh, shake man. my fist at you, sir. <laughs> uh, so the whole idea of the movement was to get, get a, I mean, the, the, the number of people that go to, Ade uh, not Adepticon, CanCon, and the number of people who get together and then talk about their lists in advance in the past has been huge. But it's always been people sort of hiding their lists and sort of talking about, how many models do you have to paint? Maybe showing some painted models. But people were kind of always traditionally kind of holding their cards close to their vest almost. Um, there was some banter and a little bit of chat. But um, Patch and Andrew Brownrig really got together and they started the idea that 
um, Patch was started talking about throughout the challenge and said, look, early war, stop taking late war, Panzer IV assault rifle lists. Stop taking all the toys. Take something, get get different. Let's get some variation in this piece. Um, and he put through down and, and challenged people to play French or early war, I believe. And it turned into this idea that, you know, a lot of people might play French. And then as a reaction to that, Andrew Brownrigg kicked out the, well, let's play French v. German. Let's make this historical. And so all of a sudden we had Team Rommel. And they and it, it was just players f- sort of flocked to the banners that got thrown down. A flag got thrown in the dirt and people came to it. It wasn't a formal thing. Um, it, and it just it sort of came together. And the T.O., um, seeing this banter, um, also happened to be, you know, this is, again, the one and only Pete West, um, happens to be one of the admins for the Australian Bolt Action page. And he just went, yep, I'm going to encourage this banter. Um, he didn't give out special prizes. There wasn't a trophy uh, at CanCon. It was just bragging rights. And the winners got to change the picture on um, the Australian New Zealand Facebook page, the background, for three months. Um, and that's why you will see all the French lieutenants picture up there at the moment. Um, and it just, it was, it was fun. And it led to a massive number of people. It, it started early enough in, in the piece that people were inspired to drop their big secret, you know, muahaha, rubbing their hands together in the dark plans. Yeah. And they picked up something and they became part of a movement. And not everyone joined in. Um, there was a Team America, I think, had two players. Um, and it was fun. It, it was, but it, it, it encouraged people to think outside the box. And what Patch and I were talking about in that previous episode, and the thing that really, really sings to us is, is variety and variation. And to not see, challenge people to think outside the box. In my last episode, um, I had Pedro and Paul on, and we talked about... Um, sorry, Aaron, you're Paul. Oh, my brain's going. We talked about Italian paratroopers, a, an army that you just don't see that often. Um, and there's so many armies like that in bolt action that you can just turn around and go, now that's cool. Um, the, I mean, the free French list in the battle of the bulge book, I have I, been eyeing that forever. Looking at French paratroopers from that list. I haven't seen anyone do that. That would be cool. Um, I mean, take a look at some of these lists and just think, I don't have to take late war Germans with Panzer IV. I don't have to take, um, you know, an American list with, um, I don't even know what the new hotness is because I haven't been playing in around, but, you know, the plain old boring same variant of Sherman or Chaffee, um, you know, t- take, some, take something different. Think outside the box. Um, do something fun with your life. I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at. Um, am I... <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I would wish for the world. <laughs> I, I imagine myself as the beauty queen on the stage there, going, and I want world peace for everybody. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I want for bolt. That's what I want for bolt action, really. And I think that bolt action can become a much, much bigger game than it is if we can keep the enthusiasm and the the momentum going with bolt action. I can see a time in ten years where people get together, it could be us that have got 200 tables at LVO or yeah, wherever it is, and 40K is on 18 tables through the back, you know? 
Yeah. Well, hey, uh, call me, call me. I want to buy the world a Coke, but um, you know, talk about that what 1970s ad campaign <laughs> and sing in harmony. But I, I want to see, I want to see a hundred bolt action tables next to a hundred. Uh, 40k tables next to a uh, hundred Star Wars Legion tables. I the the more gaming there is, man, the better we are. Um, I exactly. that is one of the things that I have always absolutely loved. Um, about CanCon is just walking from one end of the place to the other and just seeing so much joy on people's faces as they play games and then walking by the Warhammer 40,000 tournament and watching people look like somebody's, you know, everyone's sucking lemons. <laughs> but, Chucking their toys across the table. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Bad joke. Um, anyway, but, but you know what I mean. Um, but just I people having a blast. And that's what gaming's supposed to be. Fun. And I think that's what yeah. we need to keep in mind. Um, hey, I, I think... I hate to say this. I think my time's just about up. Um, Paul, I think that was a wonderful conclusion. Do you have anything you want to add to that before I quickly talk about my event? Uh, not really. I'd just like to encourage everybody to get together on the boards and to get the good-natured banter, sledging, whatever you want to call it. Let's sort of start a thing where we do that as just a general and put our lists up there as... Yourself, um, Brad, are saying, and let's build the community and just make it more fun. Amen, brother. Preach. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much, Paul, for coming on. I, I know that we hadn't talked prior to today, and um, given what I've been saying on some of the episodes and what you've been doing and you know what we've been saying offline, it might have been a little intimidating coming on. Um, I'm just glad that you did, and... <laughs> I'm glad that we had a really good chat. Um, I really enjoyed this, and I, 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 as you said earlier, I doff my cap to you, sir, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. It's a pleasure to come on, and you've made me feel very welcome, sir. <laughs> you didn't give me a hard time at all. All right. Well, uh, my wife would take away my iron brew in the fridge if I did, so um, <laughs> there you go. So I, I guess really quick, I do want to say, um, so I have this event Operation Wolf that's coming out um, March 18th. It is a three-game event. It is 900 points, and it is new player-friendly. Um, weirdly, I blew through my original uh, player allotment in the first day. Um, I have now doubled it on the second day. Um, I uh, So we're up to 19 players, um, and I might need to source some more tabletops and I think I have enough terrain. So um, if you happen to be in Melbourne around uh, the 18th of March, uh, this event will be happening at Good Games on Lonsdale Street. Uh, you can find more information about it uh, through the Good Games website. Uh, again, it's called Operation Wolf or through the Cast Dice podcast webpage. Um, and that is through Facebook. So if you go to Facebook and search up Cast Dice, C-A-S-T Dice, um, you will find more information about it and this podcast. Um, I have to really thank, I've had a ton of people uh, reach out and chat recently. Um, people showing painting pictures, people asking um, resource questions about where I got things, uh, people asking about listing. Uh, I am by no means an expert, but I love talking shop. Um, I know that sometimes people catch me in the middle of the workday and I'm trying my best not to, you know... Um, you know, when you're a teacher and you have 10 minutes at recess to go to the bathroom, get a drink um, and, you know, do yard duty. And then, you know, you really want to talk to someone about bolt action on a forum. It gets a little tough. But um, guys, thank you so much for all the awesome feedback. 
Um, I, I've gotten a ton that people are enjoying the bolt action content, uh, and there will be more coming. Um, there is also a little something special in the pipe. Um, you can quote me as saying on this day, the 12th of February, 2018, in the coming weeks, there will be something special and something new coming from, uh, this microphone. So, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to say, as always, I hope your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. And I hope that everyone is having fun on the tabletop. This is Old Man Morin saying good night.